Hi, uh, welcome to Expert Talks at Mavris. This is the interview series with leaders in the AI analytics and transformation space. My name is Mahadevan Ayer, Maha for short. I'm your host for today. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Mavris, which is a managed marketplace for on-demand analytics and business transformation services. Our guest for today is Vinod Ramchandran. Vinod is the head of data science and analytics at Neiman Marcus. Prior to Neiman Marcus, Vinod was the site leader and DVP at SACS of Fifth. He used to lead all the business function, including analytics for that. He's also had a distinguished career in analytics at Lowe's, Target, and Genpact. Um, Vinod speaks frequently at industry forums on the evolving role of AI and how context is very important to make business impact. I've heard few of your uh, interviews and presentations, uh, you know, then we'll talk about that uh, in a little while. Uh, thanks for making time and talking to us at Expert Talks at Mavis. Thank you, Maha. Thanks for having me here today. Great. So um, I wanted to start off, uh, uh, you know, asking you about what do you think are some of the critical success factors that are imp important for uh, analytics to make an impact in the business, right? And uh, and if you could also look at it from the uh, from the context of uh, you know the industry one operates in the type of uh, you know data maturity the organization itself has and also are there any cultural ways of working at an organization level that impact uh, you know the the adoption and success of uh, you know uh, analytics initiatives Sure, absolutely. I think a great question. Uh, something that as all analytics leaders, we all struggle with, right? I mean, the if you if you look at uh, the kind of work that happens within the analytics space, it's a very broad space and, you know, uh, it, it ranges from all the way from uh, data management, engineering, BI, uh, business analytics, data science, uh, even, you know, ML ops right now, right? I would say this is probably the different sets of job families that make up the larger analytics world today. Uh, and there could be more in the future, right? Um, so the uh, a successful or an impactful analytics project, I think begins with I think a well-defined problem. I think I'm. I'm. I want to start from basics, right? I mean, oh, sure. one one is a very well-defined problem. I'm not saying we don't deal with vague problems, but all I'm trying to say is, as a as an analytics practitioner, it is your responsibility to ensure that you're asking all the right questions to the business. Ensure your problem is well-defined and well-formulated. Many a times we are handed over with just some observations that the business users have or some problems that you know they just want immediate solution for but it's not necessarily a well thought out business problem right so i think that is very critical uh, the second is of course i would say uh, alignment with the larger company goals right i mean um, i can speak from a retail context uh, let's say you are after uh, improving your margin or profitability right that is one of your primary goals this year hmm. any impact that you want to make as an analytics project has to tie to this goal or one of the other sets of goals that the company has right we call it connecting the big y small y to the big y right uh, 
so it's it's very critical that you're able to understand okay you know i i built this really cool analytics solution is it really going to help the retailer drive down margins uh, sorry drive up margins or increase profitability right so uh, that is very critical the third is of course uh, you know sponsorship um, is this something that you know is a good to have like you know you are probably dealing with maybe middle management layers within the business who are probably trying to make their lives easier so they've reached out to the analytics team right that's i mean we really want to do work on those kind of problems as well but a business impact uh, is but the business impact can be driven only when there is sponsorship from the top is this right. even a priority for the cio or the cfo of the company right which is why aligning yourself to the big why absolutely makes sense everybody is focused on that if your project is actually leading to that then you know you naturally get sponsorship right um, and then the fourth one is of course you know you, you spoke about the analytics maturity i want to probably talk about data maturity right okay. Um, okay. many uh, many companies that i have been part of have been on a on a multi year journey to get their data right the biggest challenge that an, uh, we in analytics faced was the lack of single source of truth i mean you pull out sales numbers from the enterprise data warehouse there is one number there is finance which is reporting a certain other number uh, then there is maybe supply chain which is reporting a certain other number this is a real problem that a lot of Absolutely. retailers face right Absolutely. so when i go and present certain facts back to the business especially to the senior leadership how confident am i about the data that i am even presenting right so it's very very critical that your data is mature enough that everybody talks the same data everybody has access to single source of truth be it about your company be it about your customer item whatever you know different sets of data that you have within the company and and this i'm not saying you know all the retailers that i've been part of they're still on that journey but there are they've made significant progress that i can guarantee you right um so an impactful analytics solution also needs to ensure that you you are working on a really mature data right analytics maturity is a i mean data maturity is a proxy for analytics maturity in a, in a certain way right and then of course um the the last part that is very very critical for me is while you have defined the business problem which is the first step how are you able to translate the outcomes of you know whatever you have built back to the business how are you able to explain let's say a model that you have developed which is going to optimize your margins or you know maximize your profits right how are you going to explain if you are recommending certain levers that the business needs to pull to make that happen how are you even going to convince the business to do that right it is not a, a set of numbers or a spreadsheet that you just ship ship out via email and the business knows what to do with what to do with it right Uh, in my experience all the successful analytics implementations have happened only when you know the business knows okay this is definitely going to add value to them right okay. otherwise 
these have always been academic exercises you know the models are lying somewhere uh, or the dashboards are lying somewhere right so i think the last mile is very very critical and uh, you know it is very important which is why you know defining the problem being able to align with the larger goal of the company but the most critical part is okay now that you've built something how are you convincing the business that you know they, they should be adopting this approach or or the new analytics solution that you have built right very critical uh, and of course you know you're also from a after implementation assuming all goes well how are you measuring how are you like you know working closely with the business really able to come up with a measurement framework to measure the business impact some are Absolutely. hard benefits that you can easily measure but some are maybe long term right now soft but over the long run you are going to reap some benefits right so so i i think these are all very critical from a uh, like you know analytics success standpoint very well articulated and uh, you know obviously every single point makes sense and uh, and i personally have also seen the whole thing of last mile i mean in many times we end up starting a project right uh, and to me last mile almost genesis of everything if you know how you going to deliver the last mile you define the problem right you will engage well you will know if it has got the sponsorship right yeah and yeah. some said many times we end up starting a project somewhere uh, for whatever reasons and then you know when we are going towards it we realize the last mile is a challenge and possibly great solutions uh, can't land not just because of lack of explainability but also because those practical levers uh, or delivery mechanisms are not available in the business right it's a I constant agree. problem right? and and yep. data maturity i mean data maturity i still to come across any organization uh, whatever levels of advancement in terms of you know really having a single source of truth i yep. mean we talk of customer data platforms and all that but even there after putting all of them together you still struggle with you know really what is the truth correct great now uh, you know uh, you work uh, you know you are almost like for lack of better word your career retailer right i mean yeah you know the retail side of it and uh, uh, across you know four large uh, retail uh, you know companies you have worked in um so i want to bring in this thing of context so how does one build context so i was listening to one of i do some research before to do this so i was listening to one of your presentations where you are trying to compare uh, who's a better desiccator between sachin and uh, you know and, and yes and you're talking of you know if you change the context one appears a better cricketer than the other right you keep playing the figures and you know if you torture the data it will anyway tell you anything in terms of truth uh, you know right. you can make it we can appear it as a truth right uh, but the point is when you bring in context it becomes a lot more relevant right correct um, so how do you uh, you know uh, and you have worked with lot of uh, you know all four have been global capability centers uh, right you would have had exposure working with the business but you have worked here and 17 18 years back uh, i mean while retail did exist even today uh, the quality of retail in india and uh, us there's a huge difference in terms of right. you know retail maturity itself right sure so how does one go about uh, you know building this uh context uh, from a gcc perspective let's say i am a data analyst or data scientist in a global capability center and right. maybe it's a new industry and let's say i'm new to a retail industry so mm-hmm. what are some of the things that i can do to build that uh, you know contextual awareness and you know domain knowledge sure okay absolutely great question one is um 
I really think that it has to come from within. I was always intrigued by, you know, retail as a as a as a domain and you know how things operate. And I was always trying to make sense of, okay, this is what the numbers are telling me. What does it mean, right? Uh, so I was always trying to put myself in the shoes of the business. And that's something that I enjoyed. But, you know, there are some some ways that I go about uh, or have done in the past to, to build some domain knowledge. One is any time I join a new retailer, the first thing that I try to do is read up about them, try to understand like, you know, if you look at Target, where I work, Target is a big box uh, retailer which sells uh, across, you know, it's not a specialty retailer. It's a mass merchandiser, right? right. It sells groceries, it sells apparel and accessories, it sells everything, right? It's probably the a competitor to Walmart. So a, a big box retailer selling everything under one roof. Um, then I moved to Lowe's, which is a specialty retailer, which is a home improvement retailer, right? Retail, they, they both are retailers, but they're extremely different in what they sell, right? And then I moved to a luxury fashion retailer in HBC, right? Uh, which is, I would say, again, a specialty retailer, but then your customer base is entirely different. It's luxury fashion. We are not selling milk and eggs and, you know, our average order value is not $10. It is $500, right? right. Uh, and now I'm in Neiman Marcus Group, which is very similar. It's it's also a luxury fashion, right? But the, but the point I'm trying to make is even within retail, there is so much difference, right? right. Um, but there are some fundamental commonalities across retailers, right? Um, like, you know, everywhere it is called an SKU, stock stock keeping unit, right? So you basically start with uh, pulling some data. This is this is what I recommend to anybody that joins my team as well. Go into the data warehouse, just do some, pull some ten rows from most commonly frequently used tables. Uh, you know that that we have. For instance, I go in and look at uh, transactional data. Right. I, I pull some information and try to see, OK, how is the data organized? You know, I get to see that there are, you know, there is something called as a hierarchy in the data, a merchandising hierarchy. Right. Got it. Got it. You know, in many companies, it is like a, a, a division. Then there comes a department. There is class. There is product. There is item. Right. So whatever it is, there is a merchandising hierarchy. Right. You really try need to understand from data. OK. Okay, this is the merchandising hierarchy in the company, right? We have X number of divisions under which, you know, we have 25 departments. And within each of these, in total, we have 100 classes, something like that. And in total, we sell about 50,000 items, unique items or SKUs in our company, right? This is, I would say, basics of knowing your company. This is how you build context. Then you go and pull some customer data. Try to understand what is our customer base? What are the active number of customers? What are uh, like, you know, customers uh, that, you know, different types of customer segments? Like, you know, we we probably have like uh, extremely loyal customers to maybe deal seekers or promotional shoppers, things like that, right? Try to understand, data will tell you everything. A lot of context can be derived just by pulling data, trying to make sense out of it. Of course, you know, if you're a first time in retail, 
pull the data, you still won't know what to do with it. Leverage some people, your manager or somebody in the company that has been there longer to help you understand what the data means. But start with data, right? Um, then you obviously have to leverage the internal, um, you know, I would say confluence pages or any sort of like documentation that exists, right? When uh, every time I've joined a new company, the share, uh, the intranet page is a fantastic source of a lot of information. I even start with basics of the company organizational chart, right? Mm. I mean, if you really want to feel being, you know, uh, belonged to a company, I don't know if belonged is even the right word, but if you really want to have that sense of belonging uh, in a company, you really need to know the company first, right? Uh, forget domain first, but know the company. Who's your CEO? Who's your CFO? Who's your COO, right? And then look at some organization charts. How are they organized? How is the supply chain team organized? Oh, within supply chain, I see there is logistics, there is distribution. Then there is like, you know, there is... Um, uh, returns, for instance, there is customer service. There are many different divisions within supply chain. How are we organized? What do they do, right? So I think it starts with some curiosity, uh, the underlying factor, but then these are some things that have helped me, right? I look at internet pages. In retail, there is something called as a retail calendar, right? There is something called as a, a fiscal year. Not all retailers follow, you know, in, in India, our calendar year is April to March, right? Which is the financial calendar. But then in the US, a lot of retailers follow what we call a fiscal calendar. Many retailers follow a February to January fiscal calendar. And if you're a public company, every quarter they come out and talk about the company performance to the Wall Street, right? Um, but uh, some retailers follow a very different retail calendar, Right. So, uh, you know, look for retail calendar, because when you pull data, uh, if somebody says, can you provide data, weekly sales data by store for 2023, you should not start from Jan 1, 2023. You should look at the fiscal calendar and look at what was the day one of my fiscal year and till when should I pull the data in 2023. Right. I think simple things like this is what will make us look good in front of our businesses. You don't want to pull data and they're like, oh, but you're showing me 2022 data because this is January 1st, which is last year for us, right? If you don't know that context, you're not going to be able to build trust with the business, right? So the way, so net-net, what I'm trying to allude to is there are many different ways internally that you can try to build context. One is through data. One is through a lot of documentation, videos, training material that is available internally. Um, and then, of course, you have to have a very strong orientation program. Anybody that joins the company goes through a set of trainings or orientation. Like for the first two days and, and every time I've, uh, I've joined a new company, it has always been like, you know, the first day is all about who we are. What do we do as a company? What is our history? Uh, we have been there for 100 years, you know, how have we evolved as a retailer, right? Uh, where are our distribution centers? Where are our stores? Who's our CEO? Who's our CEO? So there is a lot of time spent in orienting new hires to what the company is, who we are, what we do, what we sell and all that. Then the second day typically focuses on just your team level orientation. Okay, you're part of, let's say, marketing analytics. What do we do here? Okay, here are the different types of marketing campaigns that we run. Here is the different uh, types of analytics that we do, right? Uh, 
reporting, analytics, data science, whatever, right? So a strong orientation program is what can help you get started uh, for sure. And then, of course, you build more context with pulling data, reading a lot of internal material and all that. And a very, very useful information for me is what is called earnings release. I I spend a lot of time. If you are a public listed company, you really need to go read the earnings release. It is it is typically an earnings call which uh, the CEO, CFO, and all those uh, executive leaders kind of go in front of many different analysts and talk about how their past quarter has been. And obviously, if you are a public company, there are expectations from the street, right, in terms of your performance. It could be earnings per share, it could be uh, margin, it could be anything, right? So you're going to talk about what went well, what did not go well. Uh, we meet, we met expectations or we, we, you know, exceeded expectations, things like that, right? And that is what dictates the share price of that company. So that earnings release is a fantastic document. You will be able to clearly understand how the executives are thinking about the business, how they are thinking about, let's say, the rest of the year, uh, what is even happening in the outside economy? Uh, how are the analysts thinking about the company performance? So great context that you can get from the earnings release document. And then finally, I cannot stress on this. Uh, uh, you know, I, I I have to stress on this that you know this is travel is is absolutely essential. Um, I think you really have to at some point. Not everybody gets to travel. At some point, I think if you get the opportunity make it count visit the stores spend a lot of time uh, in the stores trying to understand how a customer uh, how you as a retailer are servicing the customer what are the different sections within the store how are they planning the planogram how are they stocking up the back room uh, when does the truck pull in how are they loading unloading how are they managing space right all those sorts of critical questions that you should be trying to answer for yourself spend definitely time in the distribution center at least one distribution center trying to understand you know it's fascinating how distribution centers work and uh, and and then of course you know if you if you have any other customer touch points like you know maybe a contact center if you get to spend some time in a in a contact center if it is near shore within the us for instance right or wherever you travel uh, i think travel is very very critical we used to call it the immersion trips uh, unfortunately, you know, because of the economy, because of remote working and all that, travel is not a really uh, essential part of uh, domain knowledge building right now. But I strongly vouch for travel. For everyone, spend two weeks closer to the business, really try to understand how exactly the business works, right? And then lastly, having experience leading also business functions. Like in my previous role at Saxoff Fifth, I used to lead all teams, uh, including like you know business operations teams. And those teams are very critical to understand business. So for instance, within merchandising, there used to be a team which used to um, uh, you know onboard vendors, right? If you're if you are onboarding a new vendor from whom you're you're procuring merchandise. You know, we are onboarding a new vendor. We are also setting up items on the system, right? Uh, so when, so those are teams which will help you really understand, you know, how does the merchandising organization work within a retailer? What is the role of a buyer? What is the role of a planner? 
what is the role of operations right all those things will be like literally in front of your eye you should be able to easily build context so if you are working for a retailer which also has operations teams uh, sitting right next to you spend a lot of time with them try to understand what they do uh, don't be just looking at your computer trying to make sense out of numbers all the time or do coding all the time spend some time with the operations teams as well you will be able to connect a lot of dots and build the context that you need no oh, excellent very well and very deeply articulated uh, thanks uh, and in fact uh, you know uh, really uh, knowing about the overall organization and I, when i was when i joined tesco right and for for most of us and first time gcc guys our most of our company starts and ends with the gcc boundaries right uh, correct and when you know you are part of tesco or whichever organization very few people actually go and uh, figure out about what is the real you would know a ceo and maybe a few other people because the names are fairly public right but really taking interest in terms of understanding uh, the structure of the organization uh, you know the length and breadth of it uh, and reading a earnings release i think it's a great way uh, because it gives you context and what also happens in the gcc world is you will get opportunities but uh, when you get that opportunity you have to make it count in terms of you know you said that sense of belonging which the business yeah. sees in you right because one is you feeling a sense of belonging the right. other is the business leaders when they interact with you they see a sense of curiosity and uh, you know connect with the business uh, right. right and extremely yeah. important right and the third one which is uh, also uh, a learning i totally subscribe to is about when you have other operations teams uh that you know you can really go and spend time i see i mean if you if you're not in the business obviously you can't see the elephant in one go you will see the eyes the trunk and the you no know, tail and the legs part of it but then over a period of time it will start fitting into place correct wonderful so uh so you know when i have been running antis and I, at least the last 7 8 years when i was landmark group uh, huge challenges that uh, there is there is this breakthrough deep uh, you know insights and uh, models one wants to provide which is uh, like you know which is really deep and you know connects a lot of stuff and there is this quick turnaround analytics which is essentially uh, you know businesses facing a particular pressure while you know you're trying to uh, while when you're trying to ensure that what you're doing is aligned to overall long term goals of the organization or the objectives for that year or whatever but there are realities that the business does have challenges right suddenly sales is plateauing a few stores are not performing right maybe a competition has come nearby conversion ratios have dropped all of the stuff right and and business actually reach out uh, saying that you know i don't know how much it happens in gcc world but here they would reach out to the antics and then say was tell me what should i do type of stuff right, right. um and in many cases they are looking for fairly simple stuff possibly for them it is like tell me what do i need to get to my next step right you bring right. your long term stuff but uh, you know what do i do right now right so uh, so what what according to you and uh, you know and given that reading for neiman markers and and all retailers go through this right and any business for right. so how should one look at it what's a healthy mix um, of of you know really get quick turn around uh, you know reasonably fast moving 80 20 type of insights and move forward and the yep. ones which are really you know uh, trying to generate a lot more of long term strategic value for the company 
Sure. Yeah. I think uh, it's it's always a it's always a what should I say a, a tough uh, balance uh, to arrive at, uh, especially when you have uh, talent that aspires to do more like you know cutting edge long term right. projects, right? right. Um, whereas the need of the hour is only maybe like you know quick and dirty insights that could right. really help the business right? Right. right from a leadership standpoint it's it's a tough act uh, i can i can guarantee you that so i don't have like a like a, a number that i would prescribe right but what i have always found it uh, um, useful especially when it comes to prioritizing what's important and what's not important is you know, a framework that somebody introduced to me at Lowe's. It's called run the business and move the needle. Right. Okay. So nice. uh, run the business is your typical quick turnaround. You know, the turnaround time is typically 24 hours, 48 hours. At best, it can be a week. Right. Because you're literally running the business. You have to keep the lights on and anything that you do uh, uh, needs to enable the business to keep running. Right. Um, it is not going to change things dramatically for the business, but it has to ensure they, they keep running. Um, some some examples and, and typically, you know, a lot of business intelligence, like, you know, it could be standard ad hoc reports, dashboarding would probably come under this stream of work. Right. And even when it comes to insights, it will be like, you know, I, uh, you know, an example that I could give you is, uh, uh, a merchant or a buyer in the organization would reach out to you and try to understand, hey, uh, this promotion uh, kicked off last Thursday and he's reaching out to you on a Monday, right? And he's trying to understand, can you tell me, you know, how's it doing so far? You know, is there anything that we need to change in flight? Uh, can can I do something different, right? So you you quickly pull together the numbers you are trying to build a simple, maybe even an Excel uh, report um, with some, some key callouts. Hey, this is what is happening. This seems to be performing well, but here are the opportunity areas. And here are maybe some two or three recommendations. You get into a call, you explain it further. These are, I would say, quick insights, which are absolutely critical. You know, I'm, um, I, I'm not saying these are not important. This is absolutely, absolutely important. In fact, I would say, 80% of um, what we do uh, is, is this, typically this, right? Um, and then the move the needle is all the strategic projects, right? Um, a question could be, do I even need to run this promotion next year? That is probably a, a move the needle project. Or how do I optimize my promotions knowing my promo calendar for the past two years, three years or whatever, right? How do I how do I ensure that I maximize on certain metrics, which is profitability, uh, customer acquisition, whatever be your objective of running a promotion, right? So, so these are, I would say, run the business versus move the needle kind of projects. And what has helped me is the 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 first run the business is is what I call business analytics. Mm -hmm. There Sorry. are, and and in in some companies even FP&A plays that role uh, to a certain extent, right? Business analytics very 
very very critical um i am a big proponent of the power of insights and you know adding value to the business so um i'm i'm naturally biased towards business analytics right move the needle is what i probably want my data science teams to focus on right and there again um you know i i personally believe data science um or the advanced analytics teams should only work on production problems or maybe capital funded projects right mm-hmm. that way uh, i and and i've learned this through experience uh, because you know we hire a bunch of data scientists we want to build a, let's say a markdown optimization solution in house right mm-hmm. uh, the business has gone ahead and um signed a contract with a third party provider for 5 years right correct, who is correct. providing markdown optimization solution which is which could even be a gold standard so we are competing against a giant and obviously the business is no way inclined to even do a proof of concept or test out what you have built it becomes a pure academic exercise absolutely on the other hand if the business came to you and said hey you know my priority is to build a, a markdown solution and i have 100 million dollars allocated for this product then there is value in hiring data scientists data engineers everyone building a, an in-house you know superior product which is very specific to the retailer right and a, a, an outside solution will be a one size fits all approach whereas this would be very specific to the retailer so that is what i call move the needle focus on things which are and this also goes back to my earlier point about aligning yourself to the big why of the company right so if you know that this is the goal and this is what this is the budget that is allocated to the goal if you focus on all your run uh, move the needle uh, efforts to that then all your projects will will get implemented or will be successful right whereas most of the days the analytics teams will be focusing on run the business projects so um from an operating model or a, a structure standpoint your analytics center of excellence could be a federated model where you have uh, business analysts and data scientists aligned to a particular business or it could be a center of excellence where data science could be a horizontal which is focusing on capital projects and business analytics is focusing on your typical mm-hmm. run the run the business kind of projects mm-hmm. right so this is how i i see i clearly delineate based on the problem but i'm naturally biased towards business analytics because that is where a lot of low hanging fruits and quick wins are delivered it helps us enable uh, the trust building uh, which goes along with no absolutely i think uh, you hit the nail on the head i mean if you are able to do picture and own business analytics insights which you are able to connect with the business and create that trust in fact i think if you are able to build that then all the more reason that you know business will trust you with uh, large amounts of money for even doing those move the needle projects absolutely yep no one of the challenges that uh, you know when uh, from my own experience working analytics and when i was running the whole customer loyalty program and customer insights for landmark creators uh, whatever you build you build uh, you know a single source of whatever extent possible um, and you analyze look at a lot of uh, you know customer segmentation opportunity analysis all that but it's a very very inside view of your customers i mean uh, having a customer view is obviously better than having only the business view of it or the finance view of it so customer view is a little more of a lead 
indicator in terms of how things are going. But still only about your customers who are, and only that share of the wallet which they are spending with you, right? How mm-hmm. important is outside in perspective and especially in the context of business analytics because when you want to connect. So one of the things you spoke about is earning release statements and all that which gives you a possibly insight into the business of the company you're working equally you could read out for other competition to get some sense, right? But that's right. a macro level information, right? Yeah. But when you are really trying to solve a problem which is, for example, my sales is plateauing or my store is degrowing, right? it could just right. be competition which is plonked a couple of stores there. And uh, whatever you do, and even if you try and do inside out, you'll say I'll rationalize the range, I'll improve the promos, I'll give more markdowns. But mm-hmm. essentially, it's a battle you may or may not win because, you know, the reality is the external perspective, uh, you know, factors that influence your sales deeper, right? Correct. So how important is outside in perspective and from a data perspective, how does one get access to that? And and have you done anything like this? And any, any, any thoughts or uh, any examples would be great. No, absolutely. I th- I think um, you know when we are uh, <clears throat> when we are kind of scoping out uh, a problem uh, or or rather a solution for a business problem, uh, we spend a lot of time trying to understand what are all the possible hypotheses that we are going to test out, right? Uh, and hypothesis leads to what data do I need to test out that hypothesis? <clears throat> Invariably, I see the. <clears throat> uh, you know, the outside in view as probably a, a brownie point uh, that mm-hmm. you can get by, by bringing in that perspective. Sometimes it has even been like a, a make or break, right? It's not mm-hmm. necessarily just a brownie point. An example that I can give, right, is uh, uh, a lot of retailers spend quite some amount of money to get the competitive intelligence. Right. There are many players in the market that have built products which are going to maybe, especially from an e-commerce standpoint, do web scraping, get a lot of information about uh, the products that the competitors sell. Do I carry the same products that my competition carries? Like, especially from an assortment planning standpoint, right? Um, what are the price points? Am I selling it higher, lower? What sort of promotions are they running? Are they giving free shipping? Are they giving like, you know, free returns? Something like that, right? Uh, buy online, pick up in store. So many things just by scraping competitor website. And this is a, a thriving business. Uh, there are many players in this space, but competitive intelligence has enabled retailers. I mean, you see Flipkart and uh, Amazon, uh, like price by the hour, right? Uh, and you know the number is exactly the same. You know, you you look for an iPhone 15 on Amazon and a Flipkart during Diwali, the price will exactly be the same. The only difference could be maybe some credit card offers between Amazon and Flipkart and all that. But how do they do that? It is that constant monitoring of competition. It's an outside-in view, uh, which which enables retailers to, and it's become like table stakes right now. I think Flipkart or Amazon will lose out to competition if they don't do that. So so that is, it's an outside in perspective. That data is extremely crucial. Maybe um, another example that I can give is, um, in in one of my previous roles, we were supporting the the loss prevention business, which Mm. was under the COO, Chief Operations Officer. Loss prevention is responsible for like, you know, uh, stopping the 
theft or store mm. breakage and shrinkage is a <laughs> shrink is a big metric that they they after right mm. um we were trying to build a model which would categorize the risk levels of stores mm. right ranging from maybe a, a different levels right uh, uh, high medium low super high or you know 1 2 3 4 5 6 right 6 being the highest level of risk and what the business does is they will staff they will plan their staffing models accordingly right mm-hmm. do we need to employ more security professionals in a high risk store what sort of merchandise do we carry in high risk store how many entries and exits do we need to have right a lot of planning goes behind you know mm-hmm. how we categorize a particular store right the business already had a third party solution provide those numbers of course that solution also takes into account a lot of crime data right from from fbi or yeah yeah about the neighborhood right uh, the way we were able to add value from a business analytics standpoint is um, we try to look at the we call it the trade area of that store right which is typically 2 miles or 5 miles radius of the store and we looked at um, you know what one insight that we already got was a lot of shoplifters were a uh, very young uh, people right in the mm-hmm. sense anywhere between 16 to 22 years of age mm-hmm. uh, this is also something that you know we were able to read up on the internet and try to get some insight what we also looked for is the number of high schools in that neighborhood mm-hmm. um number of um you know you'll be surprised we looked at the number of pawn stores right where mm-hmm. people steal stuff go and pawn it right okay. uh, right and this was something that the business was it was an aha moment for the business we were able to see that the higher the number of pawn stores in that neighborhood the higher the riskier the store is right this is this is something that you know uh, the business was really uh, surprised that we even looked at that data and we were able to you know use some google apis free apis to get hold of that information right just mm. key in the zip code of the store you get all this information within 2 miles 5 miles 10 miles and so on right Fair. and this Fair. was like fantastic information for the business and we uh, we used it as an additional source to redefine whether the store continues to be risky or not right um, so these are some examples that i can think of but Uh, external data and 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 you know even we look at maybe macroeconomic indicators like you know uh, consumer confidence index or or employment rate or many as a proxy for uh, customer confidence uh, to are they going to like you know come and buy discretionary items uh, right so so a lot of external data goes into everyday decision making and you know it's it's a it's something that folks in analytics should always you know look out for now the sponsor is a great example it's like a data or a solution innovation type of stuff you almost dry, draw a parallel some of Correct. it comes out of you know some brainstorming and all that yeah. i remember long back when we were in when i was at supi used to open cyber cafes those days yeah. cyber cafes was a big business and you had to do a lot of research ki cyber cafe paise banayega ki nahi and research is a right. costly thing for a startup right right and right. then somebody came out with an idea saying that what is the profile of customers you are looking for and did a brainstorming saying parallel industry which uh, you know which company or industry in a company that industry is likely to 
mirror the type of profile that we are looking for. So Sipi in those days was this uh, bold, risk-taking type of company, and the profile of brand would attract that type of people of the feeling, right? right. And you looked around and you said, okay, ICICA Bank uh, essentially had this brand of being, you know, very fast, uh, you know, uh, very uh, agile, uh, willing to take risk. That was its brand to mm-hmm. And somebody came up with the idea saying that, okay, wherever uh, ICICA Bank is opening an ATM, right? Uh, you could maybe, you know, start focusing, pick those areas and research them instead of going all across and researching. Sure. Right? I mean, it's not analytic, but I'm just saying it's a it's a way of uh, solution innovation for lack of better. Right. Excellent. So I know we are uh, over the time if you can, you know, indulge for two, three more minutes. Sure. If we talk of analytics and don't speak of generative AI, then, you know, then somebody mm-hmm. would say that, you know, we really uh, are not AI or analytics professionals today, right? So right. what's your thought on, you know, some of the latest uh, or some of the newest in terms of use cases that you're seeing in generative AI in a very practical context, right? I know there's yeah. a lot of things in terms of generative AI being used for content generation, all that type of stuff. But in the real world, where do you see it getting applied? Are you already seeing something? Absolutely. I, I think uh, there are, uh, and, and large language models, at least for uh tech companies is not new, right? Correct. Generative Correct. AI became a phenomenon because of chat GPT. Everybody's Correct. talking about it, right? But Correct. but there are companies that have been investing a lot of uh, effort and research on large language models, and um, it has probably become more uh, popular right now. So uh, lots of use cases have been identified in retail. Um, and, and of course, I think there are some inherent challenges, especially from a infrastructure from a uh, funding standpoint i mean uh, would you rather invest uh, 100 million dollars in uh, you know uh, maybe making your uh, supply chain better or are you going to invest in generative ai so the trade offs is what a lot of maybe struggling companies are thinking about but a lot of thriving companies they're they're already well ahead in the gen ai journey right some use cases, I think content creation is probably the, the most obvious use case that everybody's even talking about. And it's out there already, right? Be it Amazon, Flipkart, they're using Gen AI to create images of models on, on their uh, websites, right? Um, I think uh, what Amazon also is doing, and they're probably doing a beta uh, test right now, is they are summarizing product reviews. You go and look for maybe a, a, a Nike shoe on on Amazon, uh, and it is go and let's say it has seventy eight thousand reviews, right? Mm-hmm. Average rating is four stars, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, you know you probably want to read through a lot of reviews to you know make a decision. Amazon summarizes all the reviews in hundred words or hundred and fifty words, and it makes that customer experience and that shopping much, much easier for a customer, right? Fantastic use of generative AI. Um, I think uh, Google also launched sometime in June, the virtual uh, trial room uh, sort of an application, right? Um, you've already seen that in LensCart, uh, if you want right. to test out the different uh, spectacles, uh, right, for your face and all that. Something similar to that is what Google has launched and many retailers are already talking about it, right? How can we how can we make the try-on, uh, you know, more easy uh, and a better experience for our customers? 
I think um, some really good use cases are in operations, especially in supply chain, where um, you know people are, are talking about uh, AI augmented uh, customer care. Right. Mm -hmm. I think uh, literally uh, real time. Uh, what should I say? Analysis of what the customer is calling you for, mm -hmm. and prompting the agent to with a certain set of responses. Right. Giving so that kind of is is probably where um, customer care is moving towards. It's it's augmenting. It's not replacing agents. It's augmenting the agents to provide better customer experience, customer service. And in the end, you know, improve CSAT scores uh, for the retailer, right? I think these are some use cases that I can think of. There are much, much more in marketing, of course, email marketing specifically. How can you be like, you know, uh, uh, how can you, uh, what should I say, tailor every email message? Uh, personalize it. Personalize it uh, to the end user, including the subject, the body of the email, not just the promotions, right? Uh, so, so there are there are lots of use cases being discussed, and like I said, the maybe the economically uh, struggling, financially struggling retailers are still trying to prioritize what's important and what's not because it definitely involves it's a long term investment and a significant capital investment, uh, right? So, but everybody's exploring proof of concepts, that's for sure. Because I think I heard English to say that in one of those conferences speak about saying predictive AI is like your wife and generative AI is like your neighbor's wife type of stuff, right? <laughs> and that is where the glamour is. But uh, but the reality is, you know, how much of value it is generating is, is it, I mean, apart from the content creation part, one has to still figure out. Because generative AI by nature is more growth oriented. I mean, that's what right. you would think, right? And, and right. it's a very different one to measure, difficult one to measure in terms of have you really contributed to growth or, uh, sure. you know, it is just the uh, interesting. You know, uh, thank you so much for making time. Pleasure talking to you. I mean, I learned a lot through the last one hour of chatting. And sure. uh, once again, thank you so much and look forward to staying in touch with you. Absolutely. Thank you, Maha. Thank you for this opportunity once again. Uh, I, I think uh, this is a topic that's close to my heart. So I'm absolutely delighted that you gave me this opportunity and you know, if I can be of any help to any data science or analytics aspirants, uh, absolutely would would love to get into many more such conversations uh, with you. So pleasure talking to you as well. Uh, thank you. Thanks again. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Bye.